Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 120. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Evan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm uh, doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm excited because it feels like we have some actual developing football to talk about. The NFL put out a report earlier this week that training camp is still scheduled to begin July 28th. So we're going to get into the report dates for players and rookies alike across the league. There's a little bit of momentum sparking up after Donovan Smith spoke out last week about his concerns of safety, and a lot of members of the NFLPA are voicing their opinions as well. We're going to get into that. And we've also got a very special guest returning to the show once again, our good buddy, a beat report from Pewter Report, and you can hear him every week on the Pewter Nation podcast, Mr. Taylor Jenkins from USF. How you doing, Taylor? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. It's always a blast. I love it. Absolutely. Glad to have you back on. It's nice to have an outside perspective. Like, me and Evan do this show, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think we get guests as much as a lot of other shows, and I I don't know if it hurts us. That's not the word I would use, but there's a lot of times where we roll and it's just me and him, but it's very, very nice to get a third or even a fourth voice into that conversation, and we're lucky to have you being that guy here for us today. So how are you doing before we get into things? I'm doing well, man. I'm ready for things to get geared up. Um, safety is obviously the most important thing, but this quarantine thing is just, I feel like I haven't done anything since March. I've been sitting at home just waiting for any semblance of good news. So I'm ready to just talk about actual football developing instead of like just the same rehashing of players working out and players hanging around and I'm just ready for things to get started. Hell yeah. I'm a big video game player, so like you said, you and I both, I mean, we've been sitting at home since March. Um, I feel like there's not a lot for me to do, but my KD is doing hella good, so that's really, really good. But let's jump into this developmental football that we had talked about. The NFL reported that training camp is still scheduled to begin July 28th for all teams. It'll be opened up by then. They announced a three-stage return plan for most teams to return to training camp with rookies reporting before quarterbacks and injured players a few days ahead of the rest of the roster. However, the NFLPA has actually said that they would like players tested daily as preparations for the season continue. So we're going to get into the gripes from the NFLPA here in just a minute, but let's go over the basic dates that we know right now for the Bucks and catch you up on some of the latest Tampa Bay news there are actually two signings today. I'll tell you about that here in just a second. Here are the dates for training camp. Let me not get ahead of myself. I'm really excited here. we got stuff to talk about. So the rookies originally were supposed to report July 21st. The Buccaneers came out and announced that they moved that day back two days. They will now report July 23rd. It also says quarterbacks and injured players will report July 23rd, and then all other players are expected to be there July 28th. So do you guys think this schedule is realistic? Where are we at with things? I know kind of a vague question, but it seems like there's a lot of confusion leading up to these, you know, quote unquote, solid set dates. Yeah, I, uh, me personally, I, I do believe it may get pushed back. Um, I'm not necessarily weeks, but I think it might be pushed back a few days um, just because it, it doesn't seem like right now uh, the NFL has a set plan in place. I know there's been meetings pretty much all day about potential plans and you know testing and how you're going to get testing how often you know they're going to be tested what are the procedures going to be like at these practices um you know and, and that's important and even for you know even for a guy like taylor like in the media how, how are how are they going to i know that there's been guidelines set for the media earlier but you have to account for that also so i i do think that it'll be pushed back probably a few days i wouldn't really expect it to start on the 28th um, but I, I don't think you'll see much setbacks. It, it, Adam Schefter said it's something that 
it's not expected to take much time to really figure out and and hopefully it's something that the players like but at the end of the day you know safety safety is the number one concern right now so yeah what do you think taylor i think that the report dates are realistic i think getting players there on the 23rd and the 28th are completely realistic now where you go from there i think is where it becomes a real question because the thing we looked at back in march april when things started to shut down when things started to get pushed back we looked at the MLB, and that was immediately getting taken down. We looked at March Madness. We looked at the NHL. We looked at the NBA. Now, what have those leagues done since then? Hockey is going with a two-city bubble where these players are quarantined. The NBA has it. I mean, they're the best situation of all, given mm-hmm. that you look at just their team and important personnel that have to be there, whether that be coaching staff, training staff. That doesn't even make up one side of the ball. When you look at, st- I mean, you have 11 starters on the defensive side of the ball for the Bucks. You have maybe 12 to 14 players on an entire roster for the NBA. That's less coaching. That's less training staff. That's less people that have to be there. And they've put it in one city. They've got a bubble. They've got everyone quarantined. And what we looked at was the NFL had the benefit of time. I mean, I think it's not unrealistic to say that back in March or April, a lot of, a lot of us just thought by August, September – this won't really be an issue. I, the I went on NFL record. NFL will probably, of all the sports, be the one that it, it's late enough that everything can just kind of go on as normal. We didn't expect it to really be as big of a deal as it was then now, let alone getting worse in some states like Florida, where you have three football teams. You're not having this team do this bubble. And I think they really kind of drag their feet on preparation. And I know that it's hard to say they didn't prepare well when it's something that we're constantly learning about. It's still a situation that no one really fully knows what's going on. We don't know what's happening for sure with vaccines coming out. We're still learning about the virus itself. So it really just seems like this wasn't handled as well as it could have been by the NFL. And that puts me in doubt. Because when you've got teams of of 50 some odd active players when you get to the practice squad you're dealing with almost 70 then you've got giant coaching staffs training staffs there's going to be so many people involved in each team it's a full contact sport where a lot of these players are rotating in and off the field you're traveling from city to city i mean it's tough but the reporting dates seem the most realistic of all of them it's will we get training camp preseason and then 16 games over a six-month span that is, I think, the thing that I still am not completely confident on. Yeah, and another thing that you have to take into account without a doubt is that it's not just these players that are going to get sick. It's the people around them. It's the families that they have to go home to. And exactly. I'm sure it goes without mentioning, but Bruce Arians would hate to see him get it because he's exactly in that category of people with the you know autoimmune stuff that they got to worry about up there in age. So there's plenty of people around that facility who need to be safe. And the players obviously are priority number one And what you had said. And we said here on the show last week, the NFL has had the luxury of time and we can see this week, more players speaking out about the hashtag. We want to play campaign. They're putting together the NFLPA is speaking out. There is a uh, statement from president JC Treader of the NFLPA who says this, he says, what you're seeing today is our guys standing up for each other and for the work that their union leadership has done to keep everyone as safe as possible. The NFL needs to listen to our union and adapt to the experts' recommendations. So that's just how far apart they are on these things. Between the NFLPA and the NFL, there really is no seeing eye to eye. So maybe the training camp dates seem realistic, but, um, you know, it really does make you question everything else. I mean, Evan, do you see any way that they're able to figure this out? Is there are any immediate changes that the NFL are going to be able to make, or will they need eventually to start pushing more things back on kind of how you would maybe mentioned about training camp? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the NFL PA is pushing for no preseason games where right now, currently it's still set at two, uh, which obviously was already cut because, you know, it was supposed to be four. Um, it, it was already, already cut into two. And I was talking about maybe one and, you know, but if the players got their way, probably none. Um, look, I mean, everybody wants the season to happen. The owners want it to happen. The coaches want it to happen. The players want it to happen. The fans want it to happen. But at the end of the day, each side wants to feel good about doing this. And for the players, it's you know, it's it's safety for the most part. And for the owners, it's 
unfortunately, it's kind of the business side of things. Uh, you know, nobody wants the season to be canceled or postponed or pushed back. Nobody wants that training camp date to be pushed back. But realistically, I just I think that you know you could see a tra- training camp being pushed back, and I do think that eventually you're either going to get one preseason game or you're going to get none. And I think the the preseason game that the Bucks would play would likely be maybe against like the Jaguars or something or the Dolphins, somebody obviously close there. Um, you know, I, I but at the end of the day, if I had to guess, I would probably say no preseason games. And then I think they would just hope to really just their goal would be to start the regular season right on time, uh, September 10th with Kansas City and Houston and, and hopefully you know, do the best they can and create a safe environment, but also creating one that's on time. Yeah. I mean, this is the same this is the same NFL that did not postpone free agency and did not postpone the draft at all when they very well could have. So I do think they really want to get this done on time. But I think that. It might be a little unrealistic right now without a solid plan in place to expect them to not push some things back or to cut some things out. Yeah, and it's that exclusion of a lot of things that you had in the years before. You know, we talked earlier a couple of shows ago about the absence of OTAs. Um, You know, those are critical times for a lot of your rookies in particular, a lot of your undrafted guys to get key reps. And then all of a sudden you talk about cutting the preseason where even more of those guys on the bubble fighting for position just don't have an opportunity. You know, so I have to assume that if they chop out the whole preseason, then you'll just get an extended training camp in a way and they'll run it out. These players can get back into shape. But one more thing I wanted to mention really quickly about that missed time was um, a lot of people were up in arms about Tom Brady and his workouts a couple of weeks ago. And Cam Brate in particular came out in an interview and he said, uh, we're actually able to get a lot of work done this offseason, obviously led by Tom. It has been great. And while we aren't getting the live reps we would get during OTAs, we're still able to get the full speed routes on the air with Tom. And that's been huge for us. Figuring out what he likes, what he sees on the field versus what we are seeing, kind of just figuring each other out in that way. Honestly, the amount of reps we got in the spring are just about what we would be getting at OTAs. Physically, in that aspect, it was really good. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I didn't think these guys were getting that much work out there with Tom Brady. What do you think, Taylor? Um, I think it's great. I mean, like you said, missing OTAs. And, and rookie minicamp, this is so impactful for young guys, for guys like Tom Brady that are entering really the first new – I mean, he's had different offensive coordinators, things like that, but this is just such a wholesale change, going to a new team for the first time in 20 years, especially with a coach that we know has all of this this complicated offense in Bruce Arians and so many things that are so cerebral and mental. And so it's just so tough. It's great that they're able to get the reps. But I don't think there's any replication for being at training camp, for having 75 guys out there where you're getting full speed reps with full team things. And I think how not just for roster spots, but for conditioning, for what did um, what did uh, uh, slip in my mind, uh, defensive line coach under uh, Dirk Cutter, he used to say that you need to condition your body for hitting. These are things I want to see what injuries look like when you don't have four preseason games. What is that going to look like? What is tackling going to look like? What are these things that Brenton you need Buckner, to get your by the way, if I remember that name Brent correctly. Buckner, thank yeah. you. Slip my mind. I apologize. But you can't just hop out of bed one day and start hitting things, hitting people, hitting large guys. And it's just so tough, especially going back to the virus. When you look at it's so easy to look at guys like Devin White and go, yeah, he's 21 years old. He's in peak physical condition. He's probably not going to die from this virus. But at the same time, we have to look at it as a gray area because just because you don't die or live from something, you're still what? ten? You, some players, Von Miller dealt with it for 17 days. Yeah. And you're not just dealing with players. Some of these players themselves might have autoimmune de- uh, deficiencies. Some of these players, when you're dealing with 300-pound linemen, are in the same shape that a Devin White, a Mike Evans is. You have coaches like Bruce Arians, Tom Moore, Clyde Christensen, that are up there in age. Jason Light's in the building every day. These are things you also have to worry about. Do their families have autoimmune issues? And once you get into the season, we've already seen players test positive, and they're not even back in. We saw two coaches 
test positive and get quarantined within days of being back at the facility. Well, and you so saw what? it all throughout. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you saw it all throughout college football as well, where, you know, Clemson and Texas, all of these teams were practicing. Think, some odd players. Yeah, a ridiculous number. So when you look at it and you go, okay, so let's say we get this season kicked off and everything's running smoothly. But week three, because you've been practicing together, you miss three offensive linemen. Let's say, just for example, all of a sudden you get an outbreak on the offensive line. So now you've got Donovan Smith, Tristan Wirfs, Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, uh, Blaine Gabbert, Tom Brady, and Dominican Sue and Vita Vea catch COVID. They can't play for 15 days. Do you just tell the Bucks good luck? And that's best case scenario. If you just have it catch four, five, six players that are all there interacting within each other. What happens then? Do you tell them, all right, just use your backups, go sign some guys off the street and keep it rolling, and by week six or seven you'll have Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Vita Vea, whoever catches it back. And hopefully I by then it's not too late. And, and, yeah. and again, after, you, after you've lost three, four games in a row by that point. So I think that's going to be one of the things that if you can keep players from catching it, things that you did in the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, where you have bubbles and you have full-on quarantines – now, that's tough with a league as big as the NFL, but once players start catching it, we've seen this thing, how it spreads like wildfire, and that's the thing that makes me... It's not so much getting the season kicked off. It's once these things start to happen in season, how do you keep it going? Yeah. How do you keep it rolling? We saw the NBA completely shut down because Rudy Gobert catches it, and then Donovan Mitchell catches it. And then you look back at his contact tracing, and if he had it for four or five days, that's three or four full teams that you've come in contact with. And once it starts to spread like that, it's just I, – I, I'm hopeful that we can get a season, but I'm skeptical. Yeah. Sorry if I went a little off the rails there. It's just <laughs> – it's just tough, man. It's such a weird situation we've never dealt with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I won't lie to you, uh, I also get emotional when talking about football. Like, we, we talked on the end of the show last week. I don't know what I'm going to do if, you know, if they have to push back the season, whatever. We'll make do. But if they just flat out cancel things and we do not have an NFL season in 2020, I will cry grown man tears probably here on the show for yeah. a ton of people to watch. And it'll be great entertainment, but it won't. is a big deal and it's a huge deal to everyone especially people tuned in right now to us so with that being said i wanted to kind of shift gears and ask you one more question about how this is affecting the building specifically one buck place and i'm sure the horse has been beaten to death with this by other podcasts but i wanted to ask you taylor as a guy who works in sports media it is your job to report how does everything that's going on affect your job and has it already affected you already I mean, it's extremely weird. I mean, you look at how excited everyone was when Tom Brady signed. In a normal year, within two days, we'd be in one buck place. Big press conference. In that little little conference room, he'd be standing up at a podium. We'd be able to circle around him and shake his hand and say, I'm Taylor Jenkins. I'm, you know, whoever. I'm Rick Stroud. I'm Greg Allman. You get that, you know, kind of start to build that relationship that you have between players and media. But, I mean, you just – it doesn't even seem tangible. We haven't been in the building. We don't see players. And now moving in, we don't even know for sure how many media members are going to be there each day. We know with almost certainty we're not going to get open locker room, which is a huge source of just individual stories and getting information from individual players. Yeah, It's so much different from having that one-on-one connection as opposed to standing up at a podium where you're being filmed. And it's just going to be an extremely different situation that – I mean, just working from home these past two months has got me so antsy. But I to this really don't even know fully what it's going to be like. The whole dynamic with the media and the team as the as the as the uh, season gets kicked off. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is this is how weird this is going to be for the media. So, me and Rhett are not professional football players, and Taylor right now is talking to us the same way he has talked to Bucks players this offseason. Business is how it's been. Every time you there's a Bucks player that's available, it's been on Zoom or Skype, and that's what it's going to continue to be for this whole season. If there is one, you know you're not going to get 
you know, have Bruce Arians at the pro podium and, and have reporters there or, you know, at training camp. I know there's like normally a big circle around them. That's not going to happen. A lot of it's just going to be on, on calls like this. And I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think, but it, it's the reality of, of the situation right now. And I know that some people like really wouldn't even, you know, care. They just want football back so bad. They're like, oh, I'll watch a Zoom call, you know, like, yeah, like that's that's great or whatever, but still, like it's not normal, especially for for media members. Like obviously, you know, like you said, uh, Taylor, like Rick Stroud and Greg Allman, and you know, guys you work with, Mark Cook, Scott Reynolds. I mean, these guys have been doing it for years, and this is the first for them as well. This is this is uh, not something that has has happened really ever. So. Um, it's definitely an adjustment that I think every media member has to go through, and I know that they're uh, they're really limiting, you know, even the the coverage that that they can do with video, even if you are allowed at training camp. I know that they've been uh, limiting that as well. So it's a weird situation, I think, for everybody. But yeah, the media it's 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 going to hit the media harder than a lot of people think. Yeah, and it sucks to see because, again, it just presents a situation where if they don't allow you in for training camp, then you're kind of depending even more on the people inside One Buck to keep you updated. And who's to say that they won't have people out there taking notes and uploading videos and things like that? Yeah, that but it, it, won't, see. it won't be reporting. It won't be reporting, you know, Carlton Davis had a horrible day at practice. Like, right. it's not it going to be that. Be, it won't be the in-depth coverage that you get from a lot of places that present it with an unbiased view where if somebody has a shitty day at practice, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear maybe what specifically went wrong here's the specific video where carlton davis missed his route and you know like just stuff like that so it is an unfortunate it, circumstance and it kind of sucks with how uncertain things are right now and another thing you have to wonder about is with the media being so limited now in this season how much is that going to impact going back to quote-unquote normal in the following seasons when when you can when, when they, i'm not saying this is going to happen but when NFL teams start to tell reporters, well, you were able to do your job then right. when things were so limited. So when we only give you marginally I'm, – now, again, I'm not saying this is going to happen. But I think it opens doors for, ML, for NFL teams, MLB teams, every sport, to start cutting back on the freedoms that reporters have. And, I mean, again, that's their right, but it hurts reporters. It hurts fans who – Get so much out of this content. So when you get when when teams are able to look and go, well, you were able to do your job when you had almost no freedoms. So now getting these back a little at a time or in limited fashion, I think it opens the door for that. And that's another tough thing we'll have to walk. But again, this is all a gray area, and we'll see how it progresses down the line. One of my favorite stories to ever come out of one of the big locker room scrums was last season. I don't remember which game it was after. I want to say either Seattle or Tennessee. But it was right around here. Jason Pierre-Paul was in the locker room, and he absolutely went after somebody because they were talking about white girls instead of the game that they just lost. That was one of my favorite things because you're not going to hear that from Buccaneers.com. You're going to hear it was it from, the uh, Tennessee game, I believe. Yeah, you're going to hear it from those sources that we had talked about earlier. And to me, that's the authenticity that a lot of times you can get with good reporting because yeah. I don't think anybody expected to get that soundbite. Like they were interviewing Levante David when they got that soundbite, right? It wasn't yeah. anything anyone went in there, but with that locker room atmosphere, it presents a level of authenticity and a little bit of that feeling that anything can happen. And sometimes it gives you a story. And, and that one, for example, is probably my favorite one to come up over the past few years, because that's a big talking point. When you talk yeah. about Jason Pierre Paul, the type of leader he is, this and that, when you have examples of those type of things, it's a lot easier to believe that narrative. And um, yeah, again, it just going back to what I say, I keep saying this, but it really does suck how uncertain things are. But let's yeah. kind of move well, on. Well, one Sorry, one example, ahead. one example before we do officially move on, that I, you know, as a you know, um, Taylor could probably. Uh, quote me on this maybe or you know i know mark cook i believe was at that tennessee game and he was in that locker room and he said basically you know like they looked angry like the the the, the bugs looked angry that they lost that game they were pissed and then the next week they go out and they stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with a really good seattle team in seattle you know so it's just it, it's it's those little things that reporters can report on you know the emotions of a team you know through a season like you can tell when you walk in that locker room and the team's given up you know, and, and you can you could say that, you know, you, you could re report that 
from time to time. And then you can tell when they're just fired up and like they are like look ready to go. And, you know, Mark, you know, went in there one day after the Tennessee game and they looked ready to go. And, and he's I remember him saying that a lot. I remember saying that in the Tennessee post game, and then bringing it up because that's when you know that was that stretch run that the Bucks had to end the season. You know, maybe that fueled it, and that that's just something cool that you know reporters won't have this year. You know, if the Bucks go in and they lose a Week Four game and they're furious at it, no reporter's going to know because no reporter's going to be in the locker room. So it really does suck with limited access, though. God, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about football being in season again. <laughs> We're just talking about the locker room and the players and the vibe, and I've just got yeah. goosebumps down my arm. It's like, oh, my God, I miss it. That's what it does to you, man. It's, I know it's, it does. It's indescribable. I don't know the feeling that I get, but I can tell you it is more feelings than I get about anything else. Right around when week one rolls around, teams are about to hit the field. I mean, the TV coverage is just at its peak. It's like it's ah, – I just – This indescribable feeling, the unnamed feeling is what we'll call it, and um, with that being said, I think everyone listening knows exactly what I'm talking about, but let's hope that things can turn around for the better and we are able to get that feeling sooner rather than later. But let's jump back in and let's talk about training camp, because we talked about training camp report days here in a little over a week. A lot of the rookies, I believe, are going to be reporting this week. They fly into Tampa, what, Wednesday, and then they report Thursday, if I heard correctly? I believe that's the case. I I think that's the case. Okay. So let's talk about some of the things that do end up happening with training camp. First and foremost, a lot of the rookies do have to be signed, and two of those got out of the way today on July 20th, 2020. Khalil Davis and Tyler Johnson both agreed to terms with the Buccaneers. I believe Khalil Davis has yet to actually put pen to paper on his contract. That'll happen when he arrives to camp. Tyler Johnson, it's a done deal. Yep. Yeah. So those two guys being signed out of the draft class, that's good progress to see. Still have to see what those guys are able to do before camp starts. I believe that's when your rookies do have to be signed, correct? Uh, yes. Yes, because I, I believe that – don't quote me on this, but I believe it was they could participate in OTAs without a deal signed, but they would have to sign a liability waiver. But once training camp began, they would have to be officially signed before they could step on the field. It was something like that, if not, if it's not exactly correct there. Okay. So the Buccaneers able to get two rookies out of the way in that draft class. Expect more signings coming up over the next coming days. Of course, on the next episode, we'll keep you updated on what happens. But I wanted to get your guys' input. Are there any position battles that you're going to be looking forward to at training camp this year? One thing I did want to mention was I had brought up the running back battle, quote-unquote, because I really don't think there's going to be much of a battle for that first running back spot at this point. I think it's Ronald Jones' battle to lose. In a weird way, having a shorter preseason in camp almost helps him. Um, I think it makes him the running back die default. But you have to credit him as well. You see the Instagram and the Twitter videos. This guy is working out like an absolute animal. And Ronald Jones, again, we're not referring to him as Ronald Jones anymore. This is Ron Jones sighting, showing up at training camp this year. But uh, I'm excited to see Ronald Jones back in some pads, making some action happen. But what position battles are you guys excited for Evan you can go ahead and take this one well first off you know when Taylor says he got the the goosebumps there this is giving me goosebumps right here because this is you know you're talking you're talking football yeah right we're not talking about the possibility of canceling football or how they're going to do this we're talking about live football and we're talking about competing so yeah I mean I will I will like agree with you though Rhett like Ronald Jones kind of got it by by default because Keyshawn Vaughn really didn't get a shot. So, <laughs> um, but um, you know, I, with those Twitter videos, I'm curious to see Ronald Jones in training camp and preseason and like the regular season because, you know, with those Twitter videos, they ain't posting the drops. Like, right. It's not like they're just they're just filming the, the the full workout. You know, so is he catching most of the balls? Is he looking good? Is he looking eh? You know, like they're not gonna put. His, his lowlights are going to post the highlights so i'm looking forward to that um but the the battle i'm looking forward to the most is probably one that's been talked about but it's on the offensive side of the ball and it's for the third wide receiver spot which is, you know history shows with tom brady could potentially be a pretty significant spot you know i know chris Godwin plays a slot a lot in this offense but that third wide receiver is also going to get in there too so will it be a guy like scotty miller who if you look at brady's history 
is typically a guy that Brady makes a superstar? Um, or will it be, you know, rookie Tyler Johnson, who, you know, I really liked coming out of Minnesota. It was one of my favorite picks in the draft. I thought that, you know, they got incredible value there in the fifth round. Or can it be a guy like Justin Watson? I think, you know, Justin Watson's been a basically a special teamer his whole time here in Tampa. Got a little bit of opportunity there at the end of the year last year, but maybe they want to get a few more looks for him. You know, it's going to be, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be down to Miller or Johnson. And I think right now, my pick when I, I made the, the, like, statement that when Tyler Johnson was drafted, he was going to be a third wide receiver. But that was before, like, you know, I didn't know that there was going to be no rookie minicamp at all or no OTA. So right now, I think, you know, you obviously have to give it to, to Scotty Miller. But I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how that shapes out because I think Scotty Miller has a lot of good traits. And I think Tyler Johnson has a lot of good traits as well. I think Tom Brady's going to have a lot of fun throwing to those guys. So looking forward to that one. Uh, looking forward to seeing them get the pads on and getting some action. Oh, yeah. What do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I think uh, wide receiver is going to be really exciting. Um, it's unfortunate. I think Justin Watson had a lot of high hopes going into last year, but he just really couldn't capitalize early. Um, I think I think obviously Gronkowski and O.J. Howard are going to be big third, fourth options in that offense behind Mike and Chris. But again, when you split out four wide, five wide, and two by twos, three by ones, they like to use that bunch formation. I think you could see a lot of Tyler Johnson on the outside. He's a big down-the-field guy. Scotty Miller's the same way, can take the top off the defense. So I think seeing how they're going to balance Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller as that kind of third wide receiver is going to be interesting, but I'm really interested in seeing these safeties. Yeah. I'm really interested in seeing these safeties. And over now, really, a, about a year and a half of listening to Todd Bowles, I think when you listen to him talk about the defense and you look at what he's drafted in the past, I think he puts a huge emphasis on versatility at the safety position. When you look back at when he was a defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, he drafted Tyran Matthew. He's a guy that can play in the slot. He can play free. He can play strong. He can rush the passer. He can play in the box. And then he goes to New York and he drafts Jamal Adams and he gets that guy there. Now, it's not realistic to expect guys to come out of college and be Tyran Matthew to be Jamal Adams. But I think both years in the draft now, Todd Bowles has tried to go after a guy like that. He did that last year with Mike Edwards. Not only was he a safety who could who could play free, but he could also he was the leading tackler in Kentucky history. And when you look back at players the Bucks interviewed when they asked who would you bring with you to the next level, a lot of them it wasn't Josh Allen, despite his production, it was Mike Edwards because he's a smart player, he's a physical player, he's a leader. Now that didn't exactly work out for him. He ended up. They ended up re-signing Andrew Adams. He got a lot of time at that position. I'm still holding out hope for Justin Evans. I still think he's a phenomenal talent back there. And I think if you had a 100% healthy Justin Evans, the optimal lineup would probably be right now with Antoine Winfield at, at kind of you really can't boil it down to free and strong. Todd Bowles has said that a million times. He looks at matchups. He likes to get guys. But I think Antoine Winfield, despite being five foot nine, everything else about his game just kind of fits for Todd Bowles. He can play strong. He can play free. He can play that center field role. He can. He's quick enough. He can rush the passer. He's cerebral. He's got instincts. And Todd Bowles, I don't think would if he could get Mike Edwards to step up. He could get a healthy Justin Evans, or he can get a lot of production again from Jordan Whitehead. Having three safeties on the field at any given time in a nickel defense in a dime defense. I think Todd Bowles likes to do that. He likes to keep offenses on their toes where you can, quarterback can look back and see the safeties, but those safeties could be doing anything on any given play. Just because they're lined up in the box doesn't mean they won't rush the passer, doesn't mean they won't drop into the slot, doesn't mean they won't drop into center field. And if he can get all these guys to kind of work together, communicate, and do different things without tipping their hand, I'm really excited to see what we can get out of these safeties from from Todd Bowles' perspective. Yeah. And, uh, Taylor, Taylor, do you think it's realistic to see Justin Evans this year? I don't know. I don't know. It really is. I mean, he hasn't played since, what, week 9 of 2018? Yeah, there were so, times yeah. he went in, he had one surgery on one ankle, he had one surgery on the other leg. Um, there were times where, I mean, we saw him on the field in cleats last year and we said, okay, here it is. He's running. He's all by himself on the side field, but he's in cleats. He's running. He's not wearing 
his his checkered hat and his in his vans that he always wore. Mm-hmm. But then the next day you see him right back on the sidelines. And when I talked to him in the locker room, again, something we won't get this year, I just kind of asked him, did you ever really feel better or did you tweak something yesterday? And he just told me, I thought I was, you know, kind of getting back to getting on the field never really went away. That pain never really went away. And with the day of running, we just realized I wasn't there. So as much as I'd like to see Justin Evans out there, it's it's really just a coin toss. And I know that they were hoping to have him back a little earlier than training camp, Jason Light said in Indianapolis. But then he had another setback that put his timetable back to training camp. And I feel like as much as I would like to see him back on the field, all we've seen for a year, year and a half, year and three quarters has been setbacks. So yeah. it'd be really heartbreaking if this was how his career ended. But die for him to be back on the field for and, the Bucks this season. And Justin Evans, I, I think a name that a lot of the casual Bucks fans coming around have, of course have never heard of, but the potential that he has. He's man. a ball hawk, man. Oh my god. Ball- like, do you remember that interception he had against Miami? Laid flat out mm-hmm. on the field and went and got it. And I mean, he got yep. up and I'm pretty sure he returned it quite a few yards as well. One of the most athletic guys I have ever seen. And to kind of shoehorn off of what you were saying, um, you know, you talked about when you were talking about Bowles using uh, two, three safeties on the field at a time, you talked about the versatility of what a guy like Antoine Winfield can bring. And I just wanted to kind of saddle up to that point and reassure a lot of people that Jordan Whitehead, I mean, I think this guy's going to be the real deal as well. I'm, he's probably the safety that I'm most excited to watch because that versatility, I think. Whitehead can do just as much. Like, he's a damn good tackler. I think he can rush the quarterback, and I, I would like to see what step he takes next. Just a hard-nosed kid. Yeah. Just goes hard. He he lays his body out. He goes 100%. That's what, I mean, that's the thing that I noticed the most about his game. He's just a hard in there and make plays, and I think he I, – I mean, I, I, he blew my expectations out of the water last year. I'm not saying he was elite by any means – but I definitely didn't expect him to play like he did last year. Yeah. yeah. I, I was watching a game the other day on Game Pass. I forget which one it was, but it was one. They sent him in on a safety blitz. It might have been the Atlanta game in Atlanta. They sent him in on a safety blitz, and, man, was he there quick. And it was, I mean, I, he didn't get the sack, but, I mean, it was an incompletion. He disrupted the play. I mean, he just went full speed, just like you said, just a – a tough player that just does not care who you are. He's going to try to blow right by you. And, I mean, he, he shot through there like a cannon. And I was like, whoa, like I forgot about that play. So I, I'm a big Jordan Whitehead fan. I thought his 2019 was fairly good. And I think that, like, he stepped up. Like, you know, as a fourth-round pick, you know, I, I think he, he really did step up. It's obviously unfortunate what happened to, to Justin Evans. Hopefully you can get him back. I mean, but if you can get him back, I mean, you're looking at this at this safety, you know, this safety depth. If you get Justin Evans back and he's 100 percent healthy, you're looking at the depth really good. Is I mean, you got Andrew Adams who's made some plays consistently in a Bucks uniform. Uh, Mike Edwards who you know, like you know, like you said, I still think they they want him to do well. And like Todd Bowles still obviously likes him. I still think there's a role for him in, on his defense. And then like. I think really good players like Justin Evans and Jordan Whitehead, and then Antoine Winfield, who I think has potential to be, you know, one of the, I honestly think one of the better safeties in the NFL in a few years. I just think he has those intangibles of just a really good NFL safety. So I mean, you're looking at that if they get healthy Justin Evans back, and man, that safety depth is looking a whole lot better right now. I mean, it's it's fine now, but I think you could look at the secondary a whole different place if uh, if you get him back. And, I mean, Justin Evans has never played a game for Todd Bowles. You know, he's he's never he's never played a game for Todd Bowles, so who knows what Todd Bowles would have in store for him. So that would be pretty exciting for me to see. It's really weird when you say that out loud. Like, I know that Justin Evans hadn't played football in quite a while, but when you make a statement that he has never played a snap under head coach Bruce Arians or on Todd Bull's defense, that's just weird, man. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Now, one more training camp battle that I wanted to talk about. It's definitely not as exciting as the potential with that safety battle and, of course, that third wide receiver spot. But we're going to go back to the running back position. I think we kind of all agreed here that Ronald Jones has shored up the starting spot. He's going to be our bell cow back this year, full on expected. But that second spot, 
that primary backup that we're going to see, it comes down to Keyshawn Vaughn or Dare Ogunbowale for that running back two spot. What do you guys think? Who do you think has the edge here? Would it be Dare by default just because of experience? I know he's been around this team for a while, but he wasn't a huge asset in the run game last year. Yeah, I, I think it would be Vaughn. I just think Vaughn gives you more in the run game and the pass game than yeah. Dare does. I just think Dare, I feel like he had a really good preseason, and then once the regular season came, like, I mean, this dude, after the Bucks' first offensive series against San Francisco, missed a block that led to a block punt. Um, as a special teams captain, that's not something you can let happen. So I think they soured on him a little bit like in during the season as well, but they just didn't have anybody else to go to. So, like, I mean, it was either like TJ Logan got hurt. He was out for the year eventually. Uh, Ronald Jones was good, but, you know, I feel like they really soured on Peyton, Peyton Barber quick. Obviously, Barber's gone now. Uh, so I, I think Keyshawn Vaughn, even though he's a rookie and he hasn't gotten really any reps, I just think he's just the naturally better player. So I would expect him to to get that second spot. What do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I do agree. I think really where Dari made his money last year, obviously, is pass blocking and pass catching. And I think that Keyshawn Vaughn will probably come in and relatively quickly up, you know, kind of take that spot from Dari. I mean, I like Dari. He's a good dude, but... When you look at his production as a runner, he's just a guy. Just like Peyton Barber was just a guy. And Ronald Jones has made, I mean, just incredible strides from year one to year two. Um, and, I mean, even last year, he was drafted at 20 years old. Even last year, um, you just had coaches saying, we just think he was a little immature coming into the league. But we saw flashes. I mean, you saw these huge runs. The one against uh, L.A. that got called back. Oh, my back. God breaking tackles and hitting holes. He was a second-round draft pick. For How about that one against Houston? I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Two or three tackles moving down the field. He's got all the talent in the world, so I think Keyshawn Vaughn comes in and really kind of uh, takes that spot from Dare. He might make this the roster if they keep three, four guys on. When you look kind of down the depth chart, I think TJ Logan and Raymond Calais kind of provide a similar role. It's a, re- it's, it's a speedy guy. It's a gadget guy. Um, I know they ran one play with um, with uh, T.J. Logan out of the out of the uh, Wildcat last year. Went for an 11 yard gain. Yeah. Things like that. A punt returner, a kick returner. I haven't watched a ton of Raymond Clay. Um, I was able to watch a couple games from him, and really, it doesn't even look like he plays as fast as as his 40 yard dash would show. So with T.J. Logan's experience, his time with Bruce Arians. I think he probably wins out that spot. I think uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is probably the number two behind Ronald Jones, who, like you said, probably steps in immediately as the de facto number one guy. So I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. And then depending on whether they keep three or four backs on the roster, that'll come down to where Dare lands. Yeah, I'm, I mean, b- between Logan and Clay, that could potentially be the battle for who's like the kick and punt returner. I mean, those exactly. two guys are, you know, purely special teams guys. And I liked what I saw from TJ Logan last year before he got hurt. I felt like he had a little bit of a spark there. Would have liked to see more of him, but, you know, unfortunately things happen. So, I mean, I think when Raymond Calais was drafted, a lot of people said, you know, oh, there's a potential kick returner. So I think that's going to be a little mini competition there. Um, inside the whole running back competition. So I wouldn't expect them to keep five running backs. So I think, you know, either TJ Logan or Raymond Calais, I don't, I don't think both of them are going to make the final roster. So, um, you know, obviously practice squad's an option for a guy like Calais, but I do think that, you know, TJ Logan probably has the edge there due to his experience, obviously with Air, in Arizona with Arians, and now it obviously has a year under his belt in Tampa. And that's full-on going full circle to what we had talked about a little bit earlier. For a guy like Raymond Calais to miss out on OTAs, to miss out on that extended training camp and those preseason contests where he can step in the backfield and take a couple of punts he just kind of misses that and again it opens up for tj logan to be the guy by default because of experience and because of you know the time he has around todd bowles and bruce arians but it is what it is hopefully we still have football one more question that i have for you boys before we pack up and get out of here goes back to a poll that we ran on twitter a couple of days ago and the results were like this 
If the Buccaneers resorted to cardboard cutouts of fans on the stands this fall, would you buy one? The poll, which had 91 votes total, 37% of you said yes, 40% said no, and then 23% said fans will be in the stands. So Taylor, I want to ask you, if the Buccaneers resort to cardboard cutouts just like the Tampa Bay Rays did, are you going to spend your money on one? As a media member, probably not. Oh. If I were a, if I were a fan, depending on the price, I saw prices floating around about like two thousand dollars a cutout. Yeah. No shot, dude. That no was show. up in New York. <laughs> it would. That was cool. up in New York. You I gotta... think it would be cool to always have that. That like, yeah, my cutout was in the stands. You know, you maybe see it in a shot. You get yeah. a picture of it. Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't, but I think it's a cool option because I think there are a lot of people who would. It helps the Bucks recoup some money from ticket sales. I think it's a really cool idea. I think they've really done it well in Korea and Japan with the baseball games. I think, you know, you get things like people's dogs and stuffed animals. I think it's a really cool thing they're doing. I don't know if I would buy one personally, but I think it's a really cool option for people to do. I've already made up my mind. I know that I'm going to go with the classic Stone Cold Steve Austin pose, double fist and beers with my Cannon Fire podcast t-shirt on. That's going to get on TV. And Evan, I'm going to answer yours for you. You better spend your money on a cutout because we're putting them next to each other in the stadium and people who find them, maybe we'll send them some free stuff. But I'm doing the most oh, egregious pose buddy. I can. And if I can get away <laughs> with it, then damn sure I will. If it's if, if if it's a uh, if it's two, with the entire team's signature on it. Because, That's the uh, thi- <laughs> now, I, I saw the two thousand dollar price tag for New York teams, and I know that up yeah, there for I, you know what I saw. I don't know what the price would be for for Tampa market teams. But, I've got a yeah. buddy who was like looking into buying one for the Rays him the price point on that but if i have to figure it'll be something similar but two thousand dollars i mean this is in new york that's, where you've already got to buy a seat permit if you're going to be a season ticket holder and you're dropping four or five grand on a team that only wins two games a year might i add but um just a little well, bit of we, fun we, there. we should just ask uh, taylor's buddy matt matera if he, if he would buy one for for a for a mets game you think he would <laughs> maybe maybe uh depends on Depends on the ownership, I think, with the Mets. I have another uh, buddy who's a big Mets fan. I think a lot of it comes down to ownership. Yeah. I know people – I know plenty of Mets fan. I got a boss who's a Mets fan who's not very happy with that organization right now. But a little bit of fun to wrap up the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Jenkins from Pewter Report joining us here today. Taylor, thank you so much for jumping on here and talking some Buccaneers football with us. Where can the people find you and your work? Uh, definitely check us out at pewterreport.com. we got a lot of cool things. John Ledyard just joined us this offseason, uh, formerly with the Draft Network. Um, Mark, obviously, Matt, Scott, you know, just a ton of passion put in there at pewterreport.com. You can find us on Twitter at pewterreport, or you can find me on Twitter at tjenkinstampa. Um, if you listen to me today, you enjoyed it, check me out. I like to think I'm uh, a relatively decent follow as far as Bucks people go, so Stop by, even if you don't follow, just say what up. Say you enjoyed the show. Let us know. Um, but thank you so much for listening, and I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a ton of fun as always. You were almost let off the hook here at the end of the I show. I was about to remind I, you, Red. I almost <laughs> forgot. Speaking of a good Twitter follow, this is what just kind of hatched the idea for me. There's this thing going around, and it's like post the most uh, post the picture on your phone with the most famous person you know, basically. And there's a picture that I had seen of Mr. Jenkins on stage with one Waka Flocka flame. And the picture is worth a thousand words. Like, I I don't think I can describe it. I don't know if Taylor or Evan have the ability to. But Taylor, really quickly, I just wanted to get this story from you, dude. How did that go down, and what was that experience like for you? So, I want to say I was a junior at US. I had to be a junior at USF because I had to be at least 21 years old. And so, around... It was right around Christmas break, you know, kind of in between semesters. And we saw that I think the first or second week um, when everybody was kind of going back to classes, Waka Flocka would be performing in Gainesville. And so me and another buddy who was actually going to Florida at the time getting his master's, uh, we were both big fans. So we said, wouldn't it be cool to just drive up a couple of us, stay with him that night and then come back home? And it was cool because he was playing at kind of a little dive bar. Yeah. Real small. So it was kind of a real, um, real intimate, intimate setting. Um, <laughs> when we got in there, we were real excited. Obviously, it was a group of four or five of us, and we got right to the front. The stage was only about two, three feet high. So we, I mean, we were 
arm's length from him the whole night. Um, it was really cool interaction because, you know, we requested a couple of songs that he wound up playing. Real cool like that, his interactions with the crowd. And it really kind of got towards the end of the show. Um, it was kind of wrapping up. He was kind of going into his last two or three songs. And at some point, um, a girl got up on stage. And I thought being... He said, I'm prettier than her. I can get up on being, stage. Yeah, being excited and thinking, you know, <laughs> why not try it out? I just reached my arm out. In the middle of a song, and lo and behold, he grabbed my arm and pulled me up, and I got to spend the last two or three songs up on stage with Walk of Flock of Flame, who is <laughs> – I knew he was big, but is like six foot five or six foot six, like towers over me. So I didn't really understand that, but that was a ton of fun. I mean, looking back, just really cool memory, and I'm super glad. My phone was dead at the time. Glad my buddy was able to snap one picture, so I had that, but – just kind of always a cool story. One of those little cool college stories you get to look back on. So there you go, guys. Follow follow Taylor on Twitter for, for that exclusive photo of him with yeah. Waka Flocka. Oh, my the God. Exclusive make, content. make sure that if you want that peek at T. Jenkins Tampa on Twitter. Dude, it was like the best photo I've seen all week. I cannot compl- – I, I just – I can't explain it, but – Thank you for that story. We really do appreciate you coming Absolutely. on the show and giving us a taste of that college life. But yeah, buddy, those concert stories are the best. The small venue stuff, it's 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 just cramped in there. It's hot. It smells weird for half the show. I get it. I get it. But thank you for telling us that story. And uh, folks, again, make sure you go follow him on Twitter at Tampa if you want to check that out. With that being said... That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening on any of our podcast outlets or watching right here on YouTube. If during the show you wanted to say something, then drop it in the comments below. We'll respond to it on next week's show, and you'll give us a good talking point. That way we don't have to take that many notes beforehand. So saves me the work in the long run. Make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can get updates on the show and, of course, any Bucks news that comes out. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. And you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks.Wave and on Twitter at EvanNFL. One last thing before we get out of here, I need to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. The world is kind of crazy right now, but... That doesn't mean your plans stop. If you have a small business or you have a product that you're looking to promote, just a brand whose name you're getting out there, Pinecrest Printing is your one-stop shop for anything and everything print. They handle apparel. They handle stickers. They do business cards, signs, small and large, any material, any color, any quantity. They're going to make sure they get that done for you. Hell, if you want to get a vehicle wrap... RJ's got it all under one roof. Pinecrest Printing and Signs, the official sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444, or you can check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. And remember, if you order and you mention the Cannon Fire Podcast, you will get 10% off your first order. So keep that in mind if you're getting a bunch of t-shirts very soon. Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Give them a call, 813-684-5444. I am Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host Evan Wanish and our special guest Taylor Jenkins. We appreciate you guys listening to our show, and we'll catch you next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.